Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast, episode 103. Am I right? 103? I'll quit asking if I'm right, but am I right? It's 103, yeah? I, I've already lost count, so I can't help you. We're, we're saying it's yeah. 103. All right, so welcome to episode 103 of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. We are the Who Dat Jedi podcast people. We are the Who Dat Jedi I am Aaron, and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. I just woke up from a nap, guys. Sorry. I mean, we were going to record this here about like uh, a little bit later, and then Dave messaged as I was in and out of a nap. And so I was like, <laughs> all right, I guess I'm going to go record the podcast now. So, um, so the I apologize. Not helping. Man, so, yeah, so here I am drinking beer and working electronics and trying to talk intelligently. This is not going to go well. Anyway, how are you guys doing? It's cold. Very and just getting colder. So well, that's what they're predicting. They're saying 30s. Actually, I saw something that said 30 or something like that by the weekend. So we're not built for this. So, uh, yeah, and there's, and I mean, they're talking potential, you know, possible freezing pre- precipitation, rain, stuff like that. And let me tell you, with all due respect to my New Orleans brethren, you all pee your pants collectively when it rains. I mean, you know, freezing rain one of two things going to happen either a i'm going to just lock myself in the house or b i'm going to bundle up and go like sit in a lawn chair on the neutral ground and watch people try to drive while i drink a six pack um but uh yeah no it'll be fun so stay warm everybody but yeah look all, all i know is that there's somewhere out there in the great state of louisiana at least two idiots with lifted f-250s the thing because they got four by fours means they won't lose and slip a contraction on the road when they hit a patch of ice and in, they'll slide in other news fredo and i play uh trivia at uh with friends at Finns on mondays and we took third this week but and that's not the part that i wanted to bring up i want to bring up that i think i and this guy is a great trivia jockey except for the fact I think he is the most, uh, I don't think he knows Jack about Star Wars because (laughs) our name is T-Rex Jedi and we have been called T-Rex Jody and T-Rex Jetty. And it was finally when I went up to collect our, you know, to to, uh, actually turn in a sheet, I said, yeah, or we're going to double on around. I said T-Rex Jedi. He goes, oh, Jedi. Just like, come on, man. They have Star Wars in Ireland. They film Star Wars in Ireland. Let's, you know, come on. Anyway, so I guess we've got to educate the world, right? One one podcast episode at a time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, oh, and another big deal, if you're getting out and about, sorry, I have little plugs here and there, but um, I won't be playing trivia on this coming Monday because it is Star Wars night at the Pelicans game. So I will be trooping with the 501st. And, um, but kind of cooler is that this year is the 25th anniversary of the 25th birthday of the 501st Legion. So, so there you go. Awesome. Will you all get a big cake? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Would you be able to see the said big cake? Yeah, just smear it all over, in... smear it all over my mask. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so now I'll be with the 501st, uh, you know, at a basketball game. So Lord only knows there's actually a YouTube clip out there somewhere. I'll have to send it to you when the 501st did a hockey game in Kearney, Nebraska. 
and we had a dance competition. So I am on the ice dancing in my stormtrooper armor, praying to God I don't fall. That was oh, uh, that was the most stressful thing in the world. So anyway, that's all I got. You guys have any uh, announcements for the good of the order? Or should we just get into talking about Star Wars? I beat Metroid Dread. Woo! I was really excited uh, to do so. It was a really enjoyable game. So uh, I'm going to plug it one more time. Uh, it's really, really good. Uh, it's the latest in the Metroid series and uh, on the Switch. And if, if anybody out there has a Switch and has been on, you've been on the fence, you maybe go ahead and check it out. It's really good. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything I can plug, actually. I did finish, uh, I read this whole graphic novel series called Low from Image called, uh, uh, by this writer called Rick Remender. It's supposed to be like a post-apocalyptic set at the very end of uh, uh, Earth's cycle uh, story where humanity has basically descended to the very depths of the ocean and uh, in cities and they're all basically running out of air and food and you know, it gets to that point, but uh, and then all, out of nowhere, one of the probes that humanity sent into the distant uh, galaxies comes back saying they, they found a planet. So uh, the main character, she has to traverse through the various levels and layers of what's become of humanity to get to a surface where the sun has expanded cool. so much that life on Earth has changed. So very trippy, very out there, really cool. And what I like about it is that it's very much a story for people who need a burst of positivity because that's kind of the main character. It's like she's positive in the face of overwhelming odds. Because that you know, that's what I, the end of the world needs. Yeah. Well, and it's not like we haven't been living in times that need more positivity, more, you know, if you can picture a picture, you know, use yourself achieving stuff, you can make it, you know. Last few years have not brought us that. In uh in Marvel news, Brittany and I watched the Eternals this weekend. Nice. Dug it, dug it. Um, it like I think you guys were saying, very different, very different uh, uh, Marvel movie, but um, still really cool. Um, and I ran a, a theory that I had heard, and I kind of it kind of made sense. I ran it by Scott Colesby, and he about ripped my head off because um, <laughs> it was you know made it seem because so. Thanos, you know, his, his, uh, you know, going and killing half the population of every place he went and then snapping half of the, you know, all existence, um, was a way to prevent the, um, oh, the emergence, the emergence. Yeah. And, uh, oh my God, he about came across the table and, you know, and about took me out. He's like, no, said it, he said it was for, and so anyway. So that if you if you follow that uh, line of thinking, don't uh, tell Scott Colesby. Um, but no, we liked we liked the Eternals. But uh, also, so Monday night as we we're sitting there playing trivia, the moonlight, the moonlight, the Moon Knight, Moon Knight, the new uh, Marvel Disney Plus uh, series with uh, um, Oscar, Isaac. Oscar Isaac. Man, see that's what I get for waking up from a nap. I can't even remember my own name. Um, so it, it's coming out. And so Scott Colesby. And so Scott was really fired up about that. He said it looked awesome. We couldn't hear any of it. Um, but let me ask you guys this. Um, I, this is kind of like Shang-Chi. I don't, I don't know anything. What, what, why should I be excited about Moon Knight? And you're not just talking to Aaron, but you're talking to other 
people who aren't steeped in Marvel lore? Why should I be fired up that this is coming out? The tone and the uh, subject matter are a little more um, mature than typical Marvel fare that, that we have gotten to date in film form. Um, most everything has been very PG-13. Uh, this is a little more Deadpoolish in nature. Um, and so, like, just from the fact, like, oh, I'm getting something a little different, um, to me, is is why people are excited. Not to mention the fact that, that he's got a legion of fans, the character does, that people who just, you know, obsess over that character to begin with. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if it was Mark Silvestri's run or who. I'm going to be killed by people because I can't remember that. You know, basically Moon Knight starts out as very much a copy of Batman, so to speak, in one way, shape, or form. But there was a, a writer who took over the character and really lent into the Egyptian, into the otherworldly elements, who just took the character and just ran. And, you know, ever since then, people just gravitated toward it because it's, very, it's a very unique take on a superhero. You know, there's a reason the character is, as the trailer showed you, has multiple names. There's a reason he has issues sleeping. There's a reason you've seen an Egyptian god chasing him. And uh, all to see all of that come into the equation is interesting. Uh, I'll tell you what I was surprised at. I didn't realize they had gotten Ethan Hawke to be in the show. Uh, That that surprised me. I mean, I knew about Oscar Isaac. It's... It's completely different. See, and that's one of the things that I'm hoping maybe that's one of the good lessons maybe Star Wars can take from Marvel is even within your uh, uh, sandbox, you can kind of appeal to a whole different dynamic. You can play with these characters. You can go in different tangents and they could be unique and different. They don't all have to necessarily follow the tried and true storyline. So I'm looking forward to it. Cool. And then other disney plus news um well i guess it's not official but i think it's about as official as we're going to get but bad batch in march so i'm thinking so what that'll probably go i think i read march through june and then uh i still think it would have been cool to release uh, kenobi on may the 4th but you know whatever um but you think about it we'd have bad batch and then you're gonna have probably kenobi and then you're gonna have andor so we got our year of star wars like ready to go so anyway yeah i was no i was thinking that um after book of both it's done because we only got three more episodes after this one there would be a big old gap until celebration which is in may and i was like well it makes sense if you're going to show a big trailer for kenobi you're going to show a big trailer for andor that's where they're going to be yeah but you're not going to have any star wars anything out there in you know, Bad Batch being right in the middle of all that makes sense. And speaking of Book of Boba Fett, that's what we're doing tonight is uh, uh, chapter four. And so, again, as we're getting trivia set up here, just uh, skip the intro, skip the recap, and you'll see the back to tank and you'll be good to go. Um, but we have to get to some trivia here. So let's see here. Dave, I'll start with you. I have to read the first one I saw. I think we've had this one before, but good luck. How many tusks graced the face of a typical Gamorrean guard? 
Yeah, we've had that one fairly recently. How too, many tusks grace the face of a typical Grimorian guard? Gosh, I feel like this is one that uh, I should know because we have had it recently. Um, four? It is four. It is four. Yeah. <laughs> and I like how you answered it. Like some that call me Tim. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. um, all right, here we go. Fredo, to you. What duo set off to track down Han Solo after he was encased in carbonite? What Can you duo, say that again? You broke up. Sorry, what duo set off to track down Han Solo after he was encased oh. in carbonite? Uh, Lando and Chewie. Lando and Chewie it is. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Lando, bar Lando barring Hansel close. <laughs> Yeah. every time well you know <laughs> however seeing all the clothes lando had on the falcon it could very well be that han started wearing the vest that was you know and that was lando's you know because ah. he wasn't he was wearing a you know long jacket and stuff like that so maybe he's just taking his clothes back i don't know um all right to me who should not have come back according to darth vader this is too easy. This is Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's all too easy. And, uh, yeah, so there we go. There's our trivia. We're warmed up. I'm a little bit more awake now. Um, Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 4. The big deal is that we get the official name of Boba Fett's starship. Fire Spray. Fire Spray. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, anyway. Um, so on the count of three, we'll hit play and we'll talk about this episode, which uh, kind of brings us up into present day. So um, yeah, here we go. One, two, three, play. All so, right, I, I, I have to lead. Go ahead. And my son, they were reading the little blurb that they show on the, each episode before you click play. And so we're setting the thing up to watch it as a family. And we're waiting on everybody to get in the room. And he's reading the blurb. And he's like, oh, is it going to be like, does this mean he's going to have one of his diaper tank dreams? <laughs> and it's I'm not like, wrong. That's exactly what it means, son. And that's exactly what we went straight into. So. My wife had a question that I think is, so do we think, are the Banthas uh, CG or are they actual elephants? Hmm. That's a good question. Because it's, it's, if it's CG, it's really pretty good CG. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, this is kind of interesting. Like I said, we start off and he finds Jabba's palace. So, he, you know, he that we're we're picking up from where we kind of left off where the tuscan tribe was slaughtered and so yeah so then we find ourselves so you know and i it was interesting Brittany and i were having this uh throughout this whole episode we were trying to figure out had to rectify where we were in the timeline you know that's i think i think the flashbacks are starting to get a little bit because She's like, okay, so does that mean, you know, and at the end of the episode, let's fast forward, you know, uh, she's like, all right, so this is, so this is leading up to when they meet up with the Mandalorian. I said, no, he's got his armor. So, 
you know, he's, he got that from, you know, the episode where Grogu was on the, on the rock. Oh yeah, that's right. You know, there was another part where it was like, you know, with Fennec Shan, I was like, no, this was, you know, that's at that gunslinger episode. All the flashbacks, I think, even if they're starting to kind of confuddle like people who know what's going on, I can't imagine being like people who haven't been watching other things. You know what I mean? It seemed like it's getting a little bit too. It's a good thing that we're coming up. We've met up with present day because the flashbacks are going to just start getting in the way. Well, and it makes me wonder if this show, well, and I guess that's academic, you know, whether, you know, if somebody has never seen the Mandalorian, but starting fresh and book of Boba Fett is having a better time because they're not trying to corroborate or trying to make it fit into what we've seen. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, a. Uh, it's interesting because now that we are clearly in the time period that we've seen prior, as we see the explosions in the distance from what we know is the battle between the gunslinger, uh, uh, Shand and Din Djarin, you know, it's interesting that we're still kind of in the past, but it's not so far back now. We started out way years past when, um, he got himself out of the Sarlacc pit, and now we're into the time period that we're more cognizant as being recent. I think um, in a couple of the early episodes, it served a real purpose because Absolutely. it provided a really cool contrast. Mm-hmm. It's like, why is he acting a certain way? Well, here's why. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you why. Um, this by now you're you're it's a fair criticism because it is exactly what you're saying. Like I'm wait a minute, where am I in the timeline? I got confused for a minute there. Um, and again, this is people who've been trying to follow along or people who are fans, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, and they're getting confused a little bit. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's a little overdone at this point. I really appreciated it early on. But you know um, what? There's something interesting that happens here. It's coming up. We're obviously not to it yet. Um but I think they told us that the flashbacks are done because the, mm-hmm. the droid says, congratulations, master Fett, you're healed. Yeah. So that means no more, no more diaper tank, you know, <laughs> um, unless it gets further injuries. I, you know, and I'm going here I and mean, I'm trying to be, you know, um, charitable with this. It's just like, okay, so why would this stuff be super important to the rest of the episode? And, if it if it relayed why she's loyal to him later on um great if it relayed why she's like a really cool fighter who's nearly indestructible great but i don't think it did either of those things it just sort of just told a little bit more of uh how they how they well, met. I think, well and i think that's part of it is remember we only got to see in that famous little post credit scenes at the end with the boots uh fennec being found and then next thing you know when uh boba fett makes experience season two she's there with them and we got to see the uh droid pieces augmentations that are in her abdomen where she got shot so clearly i mean uh this is kind of fitting in that piece of how it is that they ended up together how it is that she survived I also think it's a good way of tying in the mod racing crew 
from last episode to explain how is it that Boba Fett knows of them or about them. Because he's aware of who these people are because he's brought Fennec Shan to some to people who do, you know, droid augmentation. Yeah, he's a little more yeah. familiar. Um and and not to discount that this is just something that we haven't really seen in Star Wars either. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this felt more like cyberpunk. Cool. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. gonna say this felt more like uh yeah, cyberpunk, whether it was twenty seventy seven, the video game or uh that cyberpunk genre in general where people have combine human and machine which is not something we've seen in star wars besides the villains you know what the only times i've ever seen you know organic and mechanic come together is in characters like maul vader and uh grievous luke yeah exactly and luke but even you know luke with the hand yeah but i'm telling you like in, in like massive parts you know this is an instance where you're seeing that it's a bit more prevalent throughout the star wars universe yeah and if you can accept darth maul with spider legs then you can accept what's going on here um in this episode absolutely Uh, yeah but um apparently this uh the the i don't know doctor tattoo artist whatever is uh, Mm a bass player from uh, uh los angeles and oh, like, nice. and the music that's being played as you're walking into, I was reading up on this as you, as you're walking into the hut is his music. It's one of his bass grooves. Um, so that was one of the oh. things that jumped out at me about the scene was the music in yeah. that scene is different too. And interesting. All I kept thinking was the opening uh, theme song to the Bionic Woman. Which I know dates the heck out of me, but you know, kids before, there was TV before 1999. You know, um, the, one other example I can think of, like off the top of my head, that sort of this is a callback to a little bit too, is the uh, Babu Frick stuff in yeah. mm-hmm. Skywalker. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like so, black market. So as know. I'm as I'm sitting here and honestly struggling to find something to talk about you know in this opening sequence like you're talking about dave it's like okay so you're uh, you were talking in in the micro of okay if this is just about how they met whatever let's talk about the macro if this whole series ends up just being about how boba fett got back at the pikes then who really gives a darn I'll, I mean, I'll say it, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, but but if we but if we can't, I mean, but you know what I mean. It's like it seems like this is where it's going. Is that it's you know, yeah, we've learned about how we've learned about Boba Fett, but we've learned about Boba Fett within these within the context of these like four years. Um, and if it's all about how he got back at the Pikes who killed his friends, then at the end of the day, who really. What what have we advanced? Well, we brought him back, and that's really it. But I find that there's this. I saw somebody's theory earlier today that kind of said, "This is the story of how Boba Fett becomes Vito Corleone. He becomes the Godfather. You know, somebody who is in the middle, or or if you want to put it in more American modern that, terms, Scarface. But that only. You know, but that Tony only. Montana. That I, I get that, but that only matters if we're going to have a season two or if it's going to go on further. If it is just for these, you know, like I said, these about six years 
four to six years and he's getting even with somebody who killed his buddies, then it's like. Well, that's where I think the stinger, uh, the musical stinger at the end of the episode loops back around. I do wonder if how much we'll see of uh, crime Lord Boba Fett in the Mandalorian in other Star Wars properties. Could be. Because again, you, you don't just put go through all this effort and just go, okay, he got his vengeance and he's sitting on his throne and okay, we can close the book on the book of Boba Fett. I think there's going to be a element of we know kind of where he's going to go from here. And he's a character that's plugged in because due to his travels, he knows everybody. But by the way, I love the little sequence, right? You know, the little uh, discourse that he and Fennec have about what is it that he wants to do. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. right now he's just talking about getting a ship, but talking about Bib and what he ultimately his goal is. I'm tired of dying for idiots. Hey, by the way, on a tangent, um, mm-hmm. Ming-Na Wen let it leak that uh, Bo-Katan series is coming. Because she, congrat- she on like Twitter or Instagram said, congratulations, Katie Sackoff, hashtag Bo-Katan, hashtag whatever. So, so yeah, so something's coming, kids. Anyway, mm-hmm. I don't know. Dave, what do, you, what do you think about what I just said? I, like I said, I know, and by the way, I've, enjo- I've been enjoying this series, but I'm always thinking about what are these stories doing to advance the overall Star Wars story? So to, like I said, get in that macro of, if it's just about him getting even with the pikes, what big whoop? I mean, I could, uh, I think I could get on board if it's well executed. Um, and that still remains to be seen because we've seen some issues. We've seen some cracks in the facade. Um, and I immediately thought of uh, Kill Bill when you were talking about it just being this revenge play. And those movies are a perfect example of movies that worked for me with, with that just being the central theme. It didn't go deeper than that. It was how satisfying can we make that revenge feel for the audience um, so that they're invested and that they enjoy this on a visceral level. And uh, I think like that's where we're at. And Mm -hmm. The series might surprise us. There might be more here. Absolutely. Uh, to your point, too, like you said, if it's just one season, like there might be another season. We, you know, like there's, so there's a lot that we don't know yet. And, but it, and, and this might say more about me. But mm-hmm. I mean, I've had books like this where it's like I'm in, you know, third chapter and it's kind of like this better go somewhere or I'm putting this on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Now, if if I was the passive if i was not a big star wars nerd it's highly possible that i would i mean i'll watch the boba fett stuff later you know what i mean um so but but just real quick just to say i do wonder if it's something where we're more because we grew up with the movies we were accustomed to serialized storytelling that was leading to something no, episode four led to episode five, episode five led to episode six, one to two, two to three, and so forth. This might be the first time we're getting a Star Wars story that's just interested in being about its own little corner of the thing that doesn't necessarily connect in a much grander sense to an overall uh, theme or an overall story arc where it's just itself. And I wonder how that's going to feel, particularly for us, because again, we're accustomed to everything connects. 
shoot, even more now with uh, stuff like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where everything, even the most tangential stuff, eventually reconnects back around. So we're waiting for that. But what happens if it's not? As Aaron um, rocks himself to safety. I, I relate it back to the Mandalorian, which started out that way. It was mm-hmm. very micro-focused, self-contained, small story of of a guy and his little green friend, and uh, and then it just got bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger, and he, and then eventually you began to see how it fit in to the larger universe. And they they still have the opportunity to do that with this. I guess the question is, do they need to? Um, and to my mind, again, I go back to the revenge play. If it's good enough, uh, I'm not sure that I need it to go much further than that. Yeah, well, here's my here's another deal though is that you know you're always hearing about you know movie editors and. You know, the secret to editing is like, can you, you know, can you make the, the story move along and still get the important stuff in that you need? And I'm thinking about the, you know, the, this and like maybe uh, chapters two and three, you could have combined these three episodes, trimmed the heck out of it and had like maybe, you know, an hour hour long maybe just a hedge over a little bit over an hour long episode and gotten the same stuff out of it because there's just a lot of you know like when he goes into the uh takes Fennec Shand into you know wherever that was to get her operation all you need is this lady's dying and put down the money and then the guy pops on his arm and you say oh these are the the you know the the street gang from you know previous episode and then he starts digging in and then you cut to you don't have to have five minutes in you know in the hut you know that's that's what i'm saying i just i wonder if they're i i I'm, i know I'm, I'm beating a dead horse and i'm you know the same record going around and around and around it it just seems like the storytelling is very exposition heavy in all of these star wars series and even the Marvel stuff to an extent. And then it's like in the last episode, it's going to be. To the finish. Hang on to your butt, you know. Exposition um, can be lovely when it's done well. Yeah. Um, in, I guess like that's the, there's the rub, right? Which is like, is is this being done as well? I love as this one. Be done? Now, yeah, this, we do need to speak to the cameo. Uh, of our very favorite droid here, uh, along with a couple of other droids um, in the kitchen. By the way, you want to know what my biggest pet peeve is, is when people on YouTube like get the names of these droids wrong. Anyway, this is Eve 99, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. Eve 929. So stop, stop it. But then I love this, the, this droid here who's totally doing the general Grievous <laughs> i thought that was that was just a very very With butcher knives a, yeah very cool somebody says somebody says that's general grievous new orleans cousin <laughs> did, did somebody chef. say that did we need to yeah. i need to know who said that because i'll want. i have to go find and see but uh to your point aaron i just think uh part of the difficulty here is if to get the storytelling you want it should have been a movie. The moment that they decided to make it a series, 
with six, yeah, seven but then, episodes. But then the but then the you movie have... the movie would have been about two hours, so they would have had to trim, just like I said. Uh, however, the uh, the little rabbit droid here that was in um, the Clone Wars mm-hmm. series, and does he technically commit suicide when he turns his he own switch shuts... off? Well, I, no, because I, I mean, mean we've seen. I mean, we saw three PO shut himself off. Well, I'm saying he comes, he, but the... he he comes back, sure, but he he, he <laughs> is, I mean, essentially he commits Harry and... Carey. So nah, yeah, I think he I mean, just he turned can, himself he... down, shut himself down, and. Like, He's hey, no turn him off. yeah, like hands up in the air. I'm no longer a threat, you know, that kind of thing. By the way, um, this, uh, I, this, this, uh, episode made me just stop and go Tamara Morrison is the best voice for Boba Fett. And yeah, Boba Fett? I mean, he's, and yeah, and that's gotta be, I've said in a previous episode, that's gotta be on purpose. That sounds exactly like his intro in the holiday special. I mean, mm-hmm. so, but Tamar Morrison has just done a great job with this character. And it's also, I mean, it's something that fire spray. We, fire, spray. Yeah. fire spray. Fire spray. No, it's something that we know outside, but in universe, everybody knows Boba Fett from his armor. But he's having to tell people that's who he is because he doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. Which is part of his part of this journey that he's going through. It's finding his identity without the thing that gave him the identity that the world recognized or the universe got. By the way, uh, it's not a judgment, but the uh, the Gamorrean guards in this uh, series are a lot more svelte than in Return of the Jedi. So they must they must have gone like on an exercise, you know, regimen when yeah. uh, when Jabba I, died. I, I, I've been thinking that they're a little uh, easily disposed of as well. They're a little stormtrooper esque. Yeah. Well, you know, Bit Fortuna was not okay reaping in the money that Jabba was, so had to cut it, hook their diets off big time. <laughs> they only got two meals instead of three. So you know, we're well, in the middle of the you know, elongated action sequence, which, to your point, Aaron probably could have been trimmed down to about half the size. Um, I like where we, I guess I, what I like about it is you get to see her just sharpshooting and doing her thing. Um, some of the interplays, it's okay. Um, what I like about this is where it leads. This is like, well, what now? And then it's like, well, well, indeed, what now? What, where, where are we gonna? What are we doing? Are you coming along? What are we doing here? She shot a gonk droid. <laughs> what has a gonk droid lo- ever done to anybody? That thing was laced with C four or something because <laughs> it just like took out like three guys with it. Um, I've never known them to be that explosive. <laughs> um, but this scene all serves its purpose, which is it gets us to someplace interesting. Um, which is well, like, well, what now? And and I I understand also that if you don't have these action sequences, then people are going to get bored and go away. This is, I mean, it's an action series, so I mean, you know, you're going to have a beat every couple minutes where they got to get way, out, what? where they got to get out of something. Otherwise, it's a Kevin Smith movie, you know. And I mean, I love me a Kevin Smith movie, but that's a lot of talking. Um, so you know. One thing that, that, that intrigued me as I'm watching this is 
when we seen all these guards, and we know for a fact that when Boba and Fennec come back, they just stroll right on in, shoot Bib, throw his corpse on the ground, and he sits on the throne. So where did they didn't kill all the all, all of his guys? So what happened between the moment that they escaped Jabba's palace and come back that Bib has lost ninety percent of his workforce? I think it's more to the point that Boba has his armor back at that point, which they make they allow for when they're doing their little planning session. He's like, I don't have my armor. This is too many guards. I, you know, uh, we're going to have to be sneaky. Um, mm-hmm. And once he's got his armor back, he's like, all right, not only do I feel whole and have the confidence to take on this, this small little army of people, um, but I, I'm actually able to do it because I had the firepower. Um, that's kind of how I read that. So, okay. you know, the uh, so we're going to come up here on. Uh, um, he's going to tell Fennec Shand, all right, you can go. And she's she says, no, I'm going to stick around for the ride. And it's really kind of interesting. This. This series is as much as I've been, you know, kind of critical here and there. But one of the overlying themes of this is about family and about belonging and where Boba Fett found belonging with the Tuscans, you know, Fennec Shand is finding belonging with having a partner, a partner in crime, if you will. Um, so I, and that's, that's why I, that's why I think I'm still going to say, I think the big thing at the end of this is that we're going to see something with Omega because we no, keep coming also, back to that family, that tribe, you know, talk. Go ahead, Fredo. Sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say, because it's also an interesting development for Fennec because we saw her in Bad Batch as she's starting off her career and she's very much lone wolf uh, type personality. She wants nobody around there. Even did Cat off, Bane offered to team up with her. While they were fighting and she turned him down. Yeah. I want to say that happened. So, you know, the reality of how the life that she's led and the years that between that point and this have created a situation where she feels way more comfortable teaming up with somebody like Boba Fett. By the way, this is just fun, you know, wiping out the, the Nikto speed uh, racer is just total was, vengeance. It was such a good shot, too, yeah. of the ship coming behind them. Yep. The, the, they're all just completely unaware, and it's just, oh, you know, you you see the ship, they don't, and uh, I know what's coming here. They're going to get mowed down. Um, very mm-hmm. gratifying. Um, and, then it le- <laughs> and then it leads into the Sarlacc, which is, like, equally, like, oh, my gosh. They're going to get into a firefight with the Sarlacc, which is not how the scene starts. Um, but so we should uh, have a horror movie moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it, it, more like, I mean, know? it's kind of fun when they, when they start, uh, you know, going down into the pit, you know, and they're, and it's like, and then when the Sarlacc finally attacks, I said to Britt, I said, well, who didn't see that coming? <laughs> you know, you know, it's like, you know, when Chrysanthemum, you know, in the previous episode, you know, rips him out of the back to tank, that scared all of us to death. This was like, all right, when's it going to happen? Yeah. You know, but it's, it's a lot like when you see, when you see like in like Halloween or something like that, somebody's like got their face really close to Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees. And you're like, 
Okay, at some point he's gonna just reach up and grab you, because you're literally not respecting his space. So oh. how do you feel about how this was executed with the pit being a little more um, in your face than the actual beaked thing? The beaked thing was almost an afterthought in a way i was disappointed um, with the beak thing honestly i've said it but yeah. i didn't i didn't like it in return of the jedi and when it came back here i was just like uh, i but, felt like they downplayed uh, it kind of intentionally that that was just my it, well, it was less pronounced yes uh -huh. i will get to that um part, part of me thought of it like a biologist just thinking well it's a creature of the desert it's not going to exert a lot of energy and effort when it doesn't know it's got no meal coming maybe during Return of Jedi, the uh, Jabba's uh, henchmen did something to kind of provoke it and wake it up, get it riled up because they had the tentacles going and the beak was uh, protruded outwards and whatnot. Here you go. And whereas here, this is more like a creature that's hiding in the sand. Like, like we've seen so many of the other creatures of Tatooine. They hide, they, but here's... they burrow, they stay deep. This, they only attack when it's time to feed. This makes me more mad at the special edition of uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh, Dave, to your point, it, they they didn't need the beak thing. They could have just left the tentacles that was coming out and grabbing people and bringing it into the pit, you know, instead of having little shop of horrors, you know, and screeching out of the top. Uh, anyway, um, no, actually, what I keep thinking of, more. what I what I kept thinking of is robot chicken. What Max Rebo was talking about uh, Sarlacc Pit. Um, you all have to just go watch Robot Chicken. Um, hey, jazz stereotype. Um, I thought this was kind of a neat use of the uh, the seismic charge. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, I was laughing and howling and cheering. Um <laughs> It was, a, it was a crowd pleasing moment to see that happen. Um, and it, like, again, the point is like, why are you here? It's like, well, I want my armor. Darn it. I think it's still down there. And I guess he was not in his right mind when he, when he crawled got, out. I, I, yeah, I almost have to go back and watch. Well, yeah, he was, he was, un, he was unconscious when, and then when the, then him. the Jawas started taking stuff and then they, then they totally knocked his butt. They, like pistol whipped him um and then the tuscans came about uh, so let's let's talk about this though um so he thinks that his armor was down in the sarlacc so we've got three episodes left you said is that what we got left three, three. seven total so at some point we're probably going to see um cobb vanth because he knows in the mandalorian yeah. that cobb vanth has his armor um so we're probably going to see timothy oliphant there might be one more flashback. So, yeah, or it, yeah, one, another diaper tank. Um, so we're probably, we're probably going to get that. Um, and yeah, that, like you said, the musical cue at the end, we're going to, um, probably get us a little bit of, uh, Mandalorian, um, without Grogu or maybe with, who knows? Yeah. Wouldn't that well, be? Again, wouldn't that make everybody go, oh, if, or what the hell's going on if Grogu is by his side again? Yeah, that would just be baffling. I think, but I, probably but though, won't. That's probably won't. That's 
this is what Star Wars does, though, is it does raise questions when it's when it's at its best. Is like, wait a minute, how is this happening? What's going on? Now, I will say, so, as much as I was complaining about, you know, the flashbacks getting a little confusing, again, Britt and I, you know, I agree with Britt. She said she thinks this is her favorite episode so far, and I would agree with that. I think this is one mm-hmm. of my, there's, seem to be, I mean, I'm thinking about the conversations between Boba and Fennec, you know, the things that happen, it, it seemed, everything seemed more meaningful. Um, I don't know. I wanted to circle back to the Sarlacc real briefly, because, yeah. because to that point, um, we thought we'd seen everything we were going to see with the Sarlacc in the first chapter. It was just like, okay, well, he clawed his way out of that thing, literally. Wow, that's pretty cool. Um, and then we're done. But here we get to see him revisit the scene and put himself in peril in a really, like, oh, present way. It was really sort of... Um, we know how this stuff ends. We know these characters are going to be fine ultimately, but it was still a bit of a grab the arm, you know, the arm of your chair moment because it's like, whoa. And then um, he ultimately got a little bit of revenge there, uh, which was nice to see too. Again, if this is the revenge play, uh, there's a little bit more closure there that, that he was able to like literally this thing that caused him immense pain and suffering, he was able to freaking throw a bomb down its gullet, blow it up. Part of his revenge, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do want to bring up right quick, there's a line that we just passed that kind of comes up almost like a thesis for this show, whereas Boba Town Fennec, you can only get so far without a tribe. Mm-hmm. And he's been without a tribe his entire life. And... He's trying to build that. You are healed, sir. <laughs> you are fully healed. We don't need any more flashbacks. So. There we go. I, um. Yeah, I think it was a, a, a necessary evil, uh, the flashback stuff, um but it, it probably did outlive its usefulness in a way. At least here, they didn't do a lot of cutting back and forth. Yeah. I mean, it was still kind of confusing for folks, but um, at least it was just one long sequence, and now we're caught up. So now we're back to Jennifer Beale's uh, casino. Um... Twilight Bar and Emporium? Yeah. I've noticed that there are a lot of Trandosians and a lot of Twi'leks on Tatooine. Uh, I'm, I got to interrupt you. I'm sorry. This yeah. shot of, of, of Chris Anton sitting there. Have you seen the movie uh, Ready Player One? Mm-hmm. No. This looks like um, when Irock is in the dance club and he sits down and, the, and, he, you know, he, and the girls all kind of look at me. He's like, you know, get out of here and then they all split that's what chris anton looks right here so looks like straight out of ready player one fredo you haven't seen ready player one not yet no i haven't uh yeah. heard that it was okay fun, i've, I've seen I, a movie I, you I haven't now now i can now dave and i can say you need to watch ready player one now you don't really need to but it's enjoyable um okay and i still am kind of i mean yeah i guess this is 
this was, I guess this was a way to get uh, Chris Anton into Boba Fett's gang, right? Yeah, but it's, a, it's also a, a way to define that he's a character that needs to be working. Otherwise, that rage and that anger is going to express itself in other ways. You know, he, he harnesses it all and puts it on the job. There's something about this uh, Trandoshan's face that just was kind of <laughs> freaking me out. Is it because he doesn't blink? <laughs> His eyes are so big. And, it, and they, my eyes would be pretty big, too, if I felt a Wookiee was about to rip one of my arms off. Which, by the way, huh, for years we've got that T-stat and we've only seen it once. So it's nice to see it again. I love her role here, right? She's trying to barter with him and appeal to his reason and um, say, hey, you know, maybe we'll forgive the bar tab if... So you think he just paid half the tab since he only ripped off one arm? <laughs> that was that's, that was my my thought here. So, mm-hmm. and I re- think I think he paid the whole amount um, for the pleasure of doing what he wanted to do. You know, like I am my own person. I'm liking the, I, I'm liking Chris Anton. Mm-hmm. Again, he's one of those great characters that would be generated by the realities of the Empire enslaving and oppressing the Wookiees. You know, not all would be like Chewbacca was or some of the other Wookiees that we saw in Solo. Some would be like Crescenton, who are like very much full of rage and anger. And it's like, nope, uh, I I answer, you know, I, I take out my aggression with aggression. I would like to say, too, that this is something we almost never talk about, but the costume design in this whole scene is just A+. Plus. <laughs> By the way, no blood. Dude got strong ripped off and no blood. It's kind of kind of Buck Rogers-ish. Which I love. I mean, it, yeah. How, however, that, I mean, again, that's the thing. I keep looking at this. It's like, there was a couple times where I felt like I was watching an Agents of Shield episode, or sometimes you start feeling like you're in Battlestar Galactica. Again, that those are the things I'm always going to be looking for. You know, is you know, is there going to be a is there can we can we have some more quality control? You know, but you're right, the costuming is Please. is good. Um, God, man, that Wookie is just that's an awesome look. Yep. This is the first time I've noticed the uh, wipes as well, the transitional wipes, the you know the iris yeah, and the yeah and the yeah the, the traditional George Lucas yeah. It was the first time it was pronounced. I don't know why. Um, so now we got uh, the um, the mafioso crowd dinner yeah. scene. Yeah, the dinner so scene. So they set you up here, right, with the yeah. whole the you know hey i've got a job for you and they bring him in and you see him sort of looming in the background and you're thinking oh he's going to be the threat (laughs) and they they do the switcheroo on you which is really clever and i like that a lot um though incidentally i do have to say my daughter called the uh rancor a manticore and I really enjoyed that, 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 uh, now the rancor is the manticore in our household. I, you know, okay. So, all right. Everybody who, uh, I, I 
Well, yeah. So I was at the Elton John concert last night and Dave sends a message to us saying, Hey, we need to talk about the reveal. And I hadn't watched this episode yet. So I was like, Oh my God. And I'm sending a message back saying, haven't watched it yet. And, um, so as I'm, as I'm going through this episode, I'm wondering what's the reveal. What's the reveal? What's the, I'm waiting for it. I actually thought that we were going to find out that one of these dudes was Bosk. Because <laughs> you've been wanting to see Bosk for a while. I even Bosk! I even waited and went through all the credits to see if they said Bosk, voiced by Louie Waddy. But... No, 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 no. No, I mean, again, the reveal, after I, reveal um, I realized after sending that, I was like, well, reveal isn't the exact right word um the tease the tease the tease yeah. and it is a reveal though because like, there's there's why... your, there's the switcheroo right there yeah yep the, <laughs> put the table over the rancor pit yeah you know i was thinking sort of damocles nah nah rancor pit you're standing you're sitting having dinner over the rancor pit <laughs> by the way where's danny trejo is he down there yeah, he's probably down there. Yeah, he's like, he's like, no, no, go scare them now. They'll, they'll, they'll jump. It'll be funny. Fennec's having as much fun as she's had in this whole series right here in mm -hmm. this scene. She's just like, <laughs> but um, yeah. So like, the point is the reveal, right? Which is the musical cue, which is the theme from the Mandalorian. When she's talking to him, like, we're going to need to bring in muscle. We're going to need to bring in help. The cue from the Mandalorian plays. Which I, immediately I started thinking how much time has really passed between end of season two, Mandalorian, and now. Again, the, the show's playing fast and loose with time. So we don't know if it's been a week, six weeks, a month, a year. Uh, but because we know where we left Din holding that black, that dark saber, would he show up by himself? Would he show up with other Mandalorians? Because, you know, right, that's the thing. If you're looking for muscle and uh, you want some of the best, you know, a, a squad of uh, Mandalorians have all sworn themselves to Din Djarin and they're all wearing Beskar armor and they all got. Uh, uh, repeaters and rifles and jetpacks. So you know what? Trick. What? However, however, what? That could very well be. But I think then you're, you know, I mean, I think that's what the plot of season three is going to be. Is but I think more probably more likely is that it's not just going. I think that musical cue is yes about the Mandalorian, but it's also about other bounty hunters, other people in the guild. You could possibly what what if we see Cad Bane along with Din Djarin, along with you know Bosk. Bosk. Along with you know other you know. IG Eleven. So. Mm. So yeah, yeah. Because if he is, I mean, it's interesting. He says he's got the money, so he's got the wealth to be able to hire muscle. The interesting dynamic is for you know the type of bounty hunters and cutthroats that he would try to hire, like Bosk, IG88, you know, IG88, and then um, and all Cad Bane. 
they're known for taking the money, but they're not known for taking the losing side in a job. So mm-hmm. they would only take the job if they thought they could win. So it'd be interesting. Whereas with Din, there is a bond of respect for the fact that Boba Fett came out and assisted him and whatnot, you know. As as giddy as I got when Cad Bane showed up in Bad Batch, if we got a live action Cad Bane, I would I would be giddy. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. he quickly became one of my, and he's not used all that much, but he is just, I mean, he was kind of the Boba Fett of, you know, the Clone Wars. Clone Wars. You know, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, like I said, I said that earlier about if this is just about, you know, settling stuff up with the Pikes, you know, okay, to what end? I guess I, I'm, that was obviously. You know, again, me just saying something to, you know, stir the pot. Um, my hope, I, I guess I, I don't expect it, um, but I'm really hoping is that this does propel the Star Wars story, you know, into with that musical cue. Yeah, it probably is going to propel it into the Mandalorian. Um, Season three, right? I, I hope this isn't the last we see of Boba Fett because I like, you know, I like Tamar Morrison, what he's doing. Um, I hope, you know, I, I, and, you know, and I guess I've heard rumors about, you know, that their whole idea is this end game type of, I don't know if you guys have heard this, that, um, because the Ahsoka series obviously is going to focus on, you know, her and Thrawn and that probably the ending of that series is going to be like this end game moment where you have, you know, um, people you know like people from the book of boba fett the people from the mandalorian the people from the bo katan show if that's out you know people for you know all these different everybody's going to be going up against thrawn at once um i don't know it'd be and it creates an interesting thought experiment because if what you suggested ming no one said is correct and we are going to get a bo katan series so to speak you would have Bo-Katan, you could have Boba Fett, you could have The Mandalorian. You'd have three shows all kind of interconnected in a way, in a way more directly than they are connected, say, to something like Ahsoka. And it feels could... like she's going to be her own thing. So you could have one of those crossovers kind of like like they do in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, on, honestly, and that's the thing, Fred, it was honestly, it could be, you know, Thrawn could be the baddie for multiple shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because they've got history with all of them. But you'd like to think that you'd start seeing some of that ground being laid. Groundwork. No, I don't know. Um, you know, they're limited a little bit because the, and this is something we've talked about before, which is Star Wars has this tendency to sort of time jump a little bit more than Marvel. Marvel does some of that, but mostly it's going on present day or whatever present day is um star wars now we're like between trilogies right now um the next series is going to be you know prior to episode four um the obi-wan series will be prior to episode four um and then we'll circle back to the mandalorian which will be back in this time range again so it's like if they're trying to do some kind of crossover event um 
What? They're not necessarily going about it the most effective way they could be. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would, I would agree with that. Um, sorry, something just popped into my head. Was talking about, like I said, the Mandalorian theme, mm-hmm. and you know, I've been talking about how an Omega, you know, lead in. What if some of the hired muscle is not just Din Djarin, but also members of the Bad Batch, which include Omega? It would be an interesting way to finish this season of Book of Boba Fett, leading into season two of Bad Batch. Uh-huh. That would connect them in a way that which they haven't been connected yet. You could also go with um, just straight Captain Rex. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of bruisers uh, that are currently not engaged in war at the moment from both sides. Um, they'll wear to more more. I would think, I would think mm-hmm. like a like a a hunter, because of his connection with Omega, a hunter and you know possibly a Rex, I think would would be, uh, again I think that would just be a, a neat thing to do and it'd be, it would make sense. Um, but uh, well, that was the alarm. So okay, so okay, so like here's why this makes sense. Okay, um, we keep we've been asking like why do they keep going back to Camino, and show the the daddy issue scene where he sees, uh, Django flying off and I'm alone. Come back, Dad. Uh, hand up against the glass. It's like it may not be about daddy, family abandonment issues. It may more be more about that the hint that you're a clone and that's going to eventually rear its head. Um, and like to that point, like you're saying, Omega, Bad Batch, etc. cetera. Um, there are a lot of characters that you could pay that off with. Um, and so that might be a hint. Well, it'll be, it'll be interesting. So like I said, you know, Brit, said and i would agree i agree i think this is my favorite of the four um what about you two was it where's it kind of ranked so far probably tied between two and four for me chapter two and chapter four i think have been the strongest so far not surprisingly because they focus so much on boba fett and establishing his connections with the world around him the chapter two was about in the Tuscans here about him and Fennec. Yeah. Yeah, I'm about the same place. Um that when you're establishing his um relationships and how those have affected him and how those have changed him, um, I think that's all really good stuff because it is good to have a bit of an explainer there. So if we're gonna have a series about Boba Fett, well like what do you want from it? Um, I think that was near the top of my list was like, let's understand how he got from point A to point B um, from just ruthless bounty hunter type to, oh, he's got a conscience and, oh, he has honor and he's thinking about the people around him and how his actions affect those people. And um, to your point earlier, Aaron, about uh, Tamar Morrison, like, yeah, I, I want more from him because i've been so impressed with what i've seen uh that was my biggest takeaway from the eternals um you mentioned seeing that recently um i loved the character work the acting um i was like i want to see more from these characters i want to see more from these people it's like 
whatever the flaws of the movie might be and it's it's kind of the same thing going on here it's like whatever the flaws of the show might be i do want to see boba fett return see and here's okay so my, my and my hope you know i i hope that there is some sort of payoff with omega and if there isn't and there isn't a second season of book of boba fett coming my if i could get in a room with you know the story group or whatever said then why would you make this character in bad batch be boba fett's sister and not have any sort of and then release the book of boba fett a couple months later and not have any mention of it whatsoever that's that's why I keep, that's why I keep going to this, and I know he was talking again to this week. He was talking a lot about family and tribe and stuff like that. So that's why I, th- I think it's gonna happen. And I know it was my wish way back when, but it would be one of those things like why why would you why would you like be talking about Mickey Mouse and then take me to Six Flags? Particularly because we established that both Boba and Omega were in Camino at the same time. So far, we've, I mean, the flashbacks have been momentary, but we've yet to see if both of those characters were around the same place, that's given the, they're around the same place, that they then run into one another. That, I mean, that's the question is that, you know, does, does Boba Fett know that he has a sister? So does this, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I want to murder Morris and play her. But like we said, we've got uh, Bad Batch Season 2 coming uh, in March. And like so, so that March to June. Then what? How many episodes is Kenobi? Probably five or six. Let's say let's five say six. six. Let's say six. So we'll have six weeks. So that'll be into probably July at some point. And then you're going to have Andor sometime after that. Um, probably like September, August, September. So because wow, they'll have Marvel shows in between as well. All the Star Wars, all the Star Wars, you know, and actually the more I'm, I'm, I'm getting more geeked out about the possibilities of Andor and we can talk about that later. We don't have to talk about that right now, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of potential Easter eggs and, and goodies that could come in that, um, in that series. But, um, do, we think we'll see, do you think we'll see Boba Fett in Andor? It would have to be a lot younger Boba Fett, obviously. Um, you couldn't have 61-year-old Tamara Morrison, even if you, like, I don't know. Um, however, one last bit I have to ask you guys. Okay, so just talking about New Orleans Saints here. Um, it is that time of year. Uh, so what do you think? Is there any chance in Hades that Sean Payton would ever go to the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> I don't put any validity into any of that. Again, you don't like say zero percent chance that this will ever happen. But I, 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 I've seen this story too many times at this point. It's like I, I'm, I shrug at it. It's I, the people who say that it drives me bonkers because they obviously have not seen Sean Payton's personality. I don't think Sean Payton could tolerate one week working. I don't care how good of friends he is with Jerry Jones. He would not. I mean, he's he would not be able to work for Jerry Jones. You know, I mean, it's like he's got he's got an owner here and a GM here that's like you got a job as long as you want it, and we're not going to get in the way. And uh, you know, 
Is Dave frozen or is he just uh, that? Oh, did you take a picture of it? Of course. I don't know. Am I, am I frozen? You were. No, you're back. You're back. You were for a moment. So anyway, no, no. And I, I agree. I agree with you. I don't think that it's one thing being of somebody's friends, another thing being somebody's employee. Yeah. And the bigger problem, the continuing problem of the Dallas Cowboys is, you know, um, Jerry Jones wants things done his way because it's his team and he's in charge, which is fine. You want to do it that way, but Sean Payton is now into year 14, 16, 16 of 16 of, you know, running his ship the way he wants to run it. He's got a good relationship, working relationship with Mickey Loomis. There's nobody rocking their boat. Gail Benson has their back. They do whatever they want. So unless Jerry Jones showed up, showed up with enough money for him to buy his own evil secret island. And even then, I don't even think he would, he would take it. I'd like an evil secret island. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, you already got money. So let's see what the next, uh, next week of uh, book of Boba Fett brings us. Um, I don't even want to speculate because I didn't expect us to go flying into the Sarlacc pit, but we did. So um, I suppose we will, uh, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll wait and see. So um, thanks for listening. Uh, let your friends know about this podcast. No, no, does, does, people giving us a good rating anywhere dave does it do us any good or um i always hear people on podcasts ask for a thumbs up or a good rating and stuff like that it really depends if we're gonna eventually monetize it yeah um, i mean i would just it, rather it won't hurt it yeah. won't hurt please give us a positive rating tell your friends i'd rather you tell your friends and you know to and, and come listen so uh, yeah. but uh i suppose until then we will say who dat Hudat? Hudat. Everybody have a great week. Makanki.